always, when we go into this time together, you guys, I just want to encourage you to ask the difficult questions, to wrestle through thoughts or things that, that I say. And regardless of your background, this is a place you can belong before you believe, okay? So uh, if, if you're sitting there and like, man, I don't believe that, or I struggle with that, or I'm just working through what this is about, that's great. We're glad that you're here. Um, so I was having this conversation with someone uh, about four days ago, and we're having this conversation about... Um, a huge failure uh, that this individual, uh, essentially he failed morally in a way that was just awful. Um, and it almost cost him everything. And, and we're, we're having this conversation and, and, and essentially when uh, this individual went through this and, and made this uh, mistake, um, I was there, I wasn't there, but I met with them and, and it, was, uh, it was a little over a year ago. And, and so we're talking now uh, and, and this last week, and as we're working through what happened a year ago and all that's transpired now in order to fix, to rebuild, to restore uh, their life, um, ultimately what we started talking about was how they need to move forward, right? So, so there's a moment uh, after you failed at something. Now, listen, every single person in this room has failed at something, okay? We all have, and we continue to fail, and you are going to fail. So uh, let's not pretend some of us are above it, and let's not pretend uh, that some of us, we've just never failed, okay? Uh, we've, we, whether it was a huge failure or, or small, we've all failed. And so as we, as we were walking through this, um, the thing that we, we were continuing to wrestle through was what does it mean? What does it look like to move forward now out of this? And um, it's, it, it's something that I find many of us struggle with. It's after I fail in some way, how do I move forward? How do I move out of that? Because one of the things that, that, that I see is, uh, for a lot of people, one failure then leads to another failure, and then all of a sudden you, be, you get into this cycle uh, of, of whether it's doing just, it, maybe it's one area of your life, it's something specific, and because you fell once, it's easier to fall again versus actually paying attention to what happened, how you got there, and asking, how do I need to move forward? Okay, so this is something that, that I talk about, uh, you know, with people a lot, and I think it's important for us. There's this book that has come out recently that I've been looking at, and it's, uh, I say looking at because I haven't bought it yet, but I've been like reading parts of it through different quotes, and it's essentially this, this world-famous trainer. He is this uh, tr athletic trainer. He trained uh, Michael Jordan, who's pretty famous, and Kobe Bryant, and, and Dwayne Wade. Wade. Dwayne Wade. Anyway, and, and, and a bunch of other athletes. And anyway, he's come out with this book, and, and a bunch of people have been promoting it, and I'm excited to get my hands on it. But there was a quote, because he's on all of these like different podcasts and stuff, and there's this quote that uh, I saw today, and I, and I just like, you know, sometimes there's a quote that, that you just go, huh. 
And, and, and for me, and I don't know what his faith background is, but obviously when I hear a quote, uh, I go to like my faith and I, and I ask, how does this apply to my faith? And here was his quote. There is no invisible enemy holding you back, keeping you from winning. The enemy is you. So let me say that again. There is no invisible enemy holding you back, keeping you from winning. The enemy is you. Now, when I read that, I started thinking about the invisible enemy being who? Okay, we're in like a church place. Come on, thank you, okay. All right, I think regardless, you, you know who I'm alluding to, right? Satan, okay? So I read that, and you know what I first thought? I go, no, there is. You got it wrong, dude. There is an invisible enemy holding you back. But you know what? I caught myself as I was processing that quote and studying for this talk, and you know what I caught myself in? I caught myself in something that I think if you are a Christian in this room, you get caught up in this, and it is a lie, okay? And here's the lie. The lie is what I was disagreeing with. The lie is that Satan holds you back, okay? So, so here's, here's what I just started taking away from this, this quote is... Uh, I, at, at first, I'm disagreeing with him, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, you're right. And, and because here's the thing I see. We give, if you're a Jesus follower, we give Satan way too much credit for bringing us down. Have you ever, like, thought about that? How quick we are, and, and even in, like, teachings, you know, how quick we are to just go, oh, man, Satan got me. Oh, man, the enemies, he's, man, he must be working overtime on me. Because I did this, or I looked at that, or I thought about that, or I went to that place, and, or, I did, or I fell into this again. Yeah, the enemy, right? And it's the, it's the quickest response, right? It's the easy out for us. And, and, and if, if the person you're talking to is a Christian, they're like, yeah, totally. It's the enemy. You know, let's pray about it, right? But we go to that, and, and as I started to like literally process through this quote, I came to this conclusion. <laughs> Satan can't hold you back from God's plan for you. Do you guys understand that? Satan cannot hold you back from God's plan for you. He can't. God is sovereign. God is overall. For me to say that Satan can hold me back from God's plan for me is to give him credit he doesn't deserve or hasn't earned. Here's what Satan does do. He wants to influence you and the circumstances around you to cause you to hold yourself back. And that's when I started agreeing with the quote. Is I started to work through that. And, and, and I started to think, man, he can't hold me back. He's trying to influence me and trying to influence the circumstances in my life in order to get me to hold myself back. And so I, I, I literally started agreeing with him. Yeah, the enemy is me. When, when I think about what's actually holding me back. And, and when you think about what's holding you back, you guys, uh, tonight, and we're going to look in a minute at, at Peter's major failure here. But, but you guys, uh, for a lot of us, there is something specific in your past and you're still allowing it to hold you back. 
Okay. And, and, and at the end of the day, we've got to ask who is, is actually holding you back. Okay. Is, is it, is it, are, are you know, cause that thing is in your past, right? It's, it's no longer connected to where you're at right now. Now there's still things you deal with from uh, your past and all of that, right? We got, you know, we got issues, uh, you know, depending on how we were raised, family, our parents, all these things, right? Those are real things. Uh, but when it comes to the mistakes you've made, the failures that, you, that you've had in life, we all have a choice as to what, how we're going to move forward and when we reach that point of asking that question, what am I going to do after that? We have to ask, do we want to continue to hold on to this? Because at the end of the day, it's you holding yourself back. You can't just blame the enemy. And so let's, let's look at this, um, overcoming failure. So in Matthew chapter 26, uh, 31 through 35. Now, listen, if you've grown up like in church, you've heard these verses probably before. In fact, you know the situation that I'm going to talk about, but I want to challenge you to think through what's going on in this interaction. So right here, where we're going to pick up is Jesus is with his followers. He's about to go to the cross and, and, and he's literally talking to them um, in, in, in some of his last moments with them. And, and he shares this with them. It says this in Matthew chapter 26, verses 31 through 35. It says, then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him. Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Okay, so, so Jesus Jesus is warning them. He says, this is what's going to go down. Okay. And, 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 and you're going to, and, and essentially he is, is saying, you're all going to scatter. Okay. You're all going to, you're all going to run away. And Peter actually says what we hope we would say, right? Okay. They may all scatter, but Jesus, I'm with you to the death, right? It's like an epic movie scene. Okay, they can all scatter. I'm with you to the end, Jesus. You know, and then all the disciples, if you're there, you almost could pick up the scene, the emotion in the room. As it says, they all agreed with Peter. They're probably all like you and I would be like, yeah, yeah, to the end, Jesus. And then he what? He tells Peter, listen, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. You're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, no way. No way. So what happens? Well, it's a long chapter. Matthew chapter 26, verse 69 says this. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. Now Jesus has already been arrested, okay? So it says, now Peter was sitting outside the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him and she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you too are one of them for your accent betrays you. 
Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. In Luke, it talks about how after the rooster crowed, Jesus actually makes eye contact with him and looks at him. Oh. Now, guys, you've probably had some bad days. You've probably made some mistakes. You've probably had some things that you would say, man, I failed there. Listen, I'm not, well, I guess I am comparing. It wasn't this bad. It was, it, there's no way it was this bad. The savior of the world, and, and, and here's what's so bad about it, is one, it's Jesus. Second is Jesus told him, you're going to do this. Like, you're going to do it, right? You, you would say, I would say, if someone said, you're going to do this, what, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about not doing it, right? Like, so every moment I'm like, man, Jesus said, I'm going to do it. There's no way I'm going to do it. There's no way I'm going to do it. And, and he ends up doing it after he, it's already said, you're going to fail. He says, no, I'm not. He falls right into it. He fails anyway. The rooster crows. Jesus looks at him. He can't take it. He runs away and just weeps. He is broken. He is done. There's no coming back from this, right? I mean, how do you come back from it knowing what, Peter is going to see, like, like literally he's going to watch Jesus then be executed in one of the most horrific ways and, and to know that that was the last interaction that he had with Jesus was him denying him, his savior, his close friend, all of, after saying the things he said, after Jesus warning him, and yet still he denies him, still he fails and it's over, right? There is no coming back from that. But what is so great about this, you guys, is we see the heart of God in this. We see the heart of God. Because Jesus does what after dying on the cross? Comes back to life, right? He resurrects. And this is what the angel says when the, the ladies go and they see the tomb empty. The angel says to them in Mark 16, 7, but go tell his disciples and Peter, that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And then we read in 1 Corinthians 15, 5, it says, and that he appeared to Cephas, whose name is Peter, uh, or that's another name for Peter, and then to the 12, it says. So in other words, here's what happened, okay? Jesus comes back to life and the angel tells the ladies, hey, go get Peter. Now, we don't know specifically all that Peter's going through. He's a wreck, okay? We know he's a wreck. And go get Peter. And then we also read later on how Jesus went and met with Peter, just Peter, outside of all of them. Guys, Jesus did not give up on Peter. He didn't give up on him and he went out of his way to remind him that he hasn't given up on him. See, sometimes we, man, we treat our failures like, like I said, like we treat our failures like it's this kind of a failure all, and we beat ourselves up. 
And, and we're like, man, I can't come back from this or I'm damaged goods or, or I'm no good or, or I can't accomplish my goals or, or God can't use me anymore. And we play this card and, and you guys, ultimately, it just doesn't work when we read about the forgiveness in the Bible and when we see this interaction where Peter having one of the, the worst failures that we can imagine and Jesus meets him there and picks him back up because you guys, here's the reality. I was thinking about this. Because we highlight Judas, right? We're like, man, Judas' failure was worse. Because Judas actually put Jesus on the cross. But all of their sins put Jesus on the cross. Guys, all of our sins did that. All, all of our failures, right? But he went to the cross for that. And, 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 and literally Jesus goes to show grace and forgiveness to the one who has this epic failure. To one of his closest friends. He goes to him. And, and we actually see Peter then respond and become this incredible leader. And we actually see at Pentecost, after Jesus goes to heaven, the Holy Spirit comes down. And Peter is the one in Acts chapter 2 who starts preaching. And literally, it says about 3,000 people responded to Peter's preaching the gospel. And they received, they received Jesus as their Lord and Savior in response to Peter's preaching in Acts chapter 2. So you guys... What's the point in this? What's, what, what, are we, what are we talking about? Well, we're asking the question, how do you overcome failure? Okay, how do you overcome that? And here's the first thing. You don't run from the mistake, you repent. So the first thing that, that I want to challenge you with is not to run from the mistake. Okay, you're going to feel like running. You're going to feel like hiding. You're going to feel like distancing yourself from other people who maybe uh, you know are going to uh, hold you accountable, ask you how you're doing. And, and the first response in our flesh is to like run away, uh, not deal with it, um, or, or try and deal with it in a different way that's not healthy or productive. And, and so my first uh, encouragement is don't run from the mistake, repent. Okay, repent. In 1 John 1, 9, uh, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, that is such a powerful verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it's not just something that, that, that we see. They're not just words on a page. We see it modeled all throughout Jesus' ministry. And we see it all throughout the Bible, how he forgives. Okay, he forgives you. But you've got to confess. You've got to acknowledge that. You don't run from it. Okay, because what repentance is, repentance is, is me acknowledging what I did was wrong, right? I'm acknowledging it, I'm owning it, and essentially what I'm doing when I repent is I'm inviting Jesus to meet me in that failure. 
Okay, so, so I, I have two choices. I can run from it, uh, avoid it, turn my back on God, do my own thing, and you probably know people that have, maybe you have. Um, or I actually choose to deal with it, acknowledge it was wrong, um, own it, repent of it, and by repenting, I'm inviting Jesus into that space. So I'm no longer isolated. I'm no longer taking it on myself. I'm inviting him into this mistake. Guys, if you run from your mistakes, you'll never finish anything. And you'll quit. You'll quit things that he hasn't desired you to quit. Okay? Because you never end up dealing with it. And, and for some of you guys, your mistakes are patterns. In your life, your failures are patterns for a lot of you. It's not just these random one-offs. For some of you, it's been consistent. It's been this one thing or, or these, these two things that you continually fall into. And, and, and so when, when, you, when you look at this, you have a choice that, that you're going to make. And if you keep running from it, you're going to repeat it. Um, and if you keep running from it, you're never going to cross that threshold that he has for you where you start to actually advance because you keep failing and going backwards. He wants you to push through that. So by repenting, you're inviting Jesus to meet you in that place. So you repent, and then this is huge. You receive forgiveness. You receive forgiveness. Okay, what, what did 1 John 1, 9 say? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he promises to clean the whole thing. Okay, he, he covered the whole thing. And, and so he promises forgiveness, but you have a choice as to if you'll receive the forgiveness. Okay, so uh, by me choosing to receive forgiveness is me acknowledging that change needs to happen. Right, because forgiveness is marked by a change. Right? Like, like if I forgive you for something, if I forgive you, I'm changing um, my perspective. Well, not my perspective, but I'm changing my response to you. Okay? And so Jesus offers forgiveness where you once experienced condemnation. Jesus offers forgiveness, but you got to make a choice that you're going to receive that forgiveness. And to receive that forgiveness um, is to invite change into your life. Because when you experience his forgiveness in your life, it leads and brings change into your life as well. And as a result of receiving his forgiveness, you know what you do? You get back up and you keep going. You keep going. And, 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 and you have to just continue to remind yourself as you keep going that it's not God who takes you out and disqualifies you. Okay, I want to be really clear with that. It's you and I that take ourselves out and disqualify ourselves. That's what I experience most of the time. Is it's actually us taking ourselves out and, and, and we're like projecting a God that 1 John 1, 9 doesn't align with. 
We're projecting a God that's given up on us. We're projecting uh, a, a God that uh, essentially is, is like still throwing condemnation at you, although you've received him as your Lord and Savior. You're acting like you're beyond forgiveness. What you did, that's just too bad. And, and there's just no coming back from what you've done because it's so bad and all of that. But you guys, we see that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so you have a choice. Like I have a choice in this to receive that forgiveness, to respond to that, uh, and then to get back up and to keep moving and acknowledging that I'm not going to take myself out because uh, the reality is what Christ did on the cross is enough to cover whatever failure I may have. Guys, there are consequences for failures. There are. Okay. There, there are. In fact, the person I was talking to, they've got some major consequences from their failure, okay? But that does not mean that, that God's done with you. It doesn't mean that he's disqualified you from the goodness that he has for you, uh, for, for incredible plans that he has for you. So don't give, like I said at the beginning, don't give the enemy more credit than he deserves, and acknowledge the reality is working around you, but he can't, he can't hold you back. Okay. It's your response to the things that he's influencing around you that ends up holding you back. Okay. And, and I just want you for a moment, if you're Peter, how would you have responded? How would you have responded after that failure? This, this last verse here is, is important. It says in Ephesians 1, 7, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. That is such a great verse. And, and, if, and if you have been wrestling with mistakes, failures, insecurities about um, whether God can redeem you or that he has or that he still loves you, man, look at that verse and just allow it to marinate in your heart and your soul. It says, in him, we have redemption. Redemption, you guys, through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Okay, so that's a verse you hold on to and you remind yourself when you fail, when you make a mistake. Guys, because he's, he's literally got grace available. He wants to meet you in that place of repentance. He wants to bring forgiveness into your life and he wants to restore you. And just, and just maybe he's got something incredible, like even what he did with Peter, where all of a sudden Peter, major failure. And then in a matter of days, Peter's preaching and thousands of people respond. Now, if, if we were Peter's friend, if we knew Peter, we'd have been like, he's done. But there he is, you guys. And so, and so don't give up, don't quit, and, and, and don't give the enemy credit for what he hasn't earned. That's so important, okay? And, and so when we talk about overcoming failure, you guys, um, I think that one of the things that's really, really important is understanding how um, the enemy uses your mind in this to hold you back. And uh, I was just, I, I don't know if I said this on Sunday. I might, I might have. I don't know. I get mixed up where I'm teaching sometimes. 
But there's a reason three of the most influential Christian leaders right now in our country have all written books about the battle in your mind. There's a reason. Because we're seeing over and over and over and over again, people's minds taking them out. Guys, your mind is what is going to tell you that's too bad. Your, your failure, that's too much. Your mind, uh, Satan is going to try and influence your mind to, to get you to not go to church, to be about that, to, to say, no I, I, no, I don't qualify. I'm not good enough. I did this yesterday. I did this last night or I did this last weekend. Uh, I shouldn't be there. Man, that is not of God. God invites us, invites us to repent and then invites us to receive forgiveness, invites us then to walk by faith in his grace. And you have that opportunity to experience that daily. Okay? So anything short of that, don't believe it. Don't believe it. And you combat those thoughts in your mind. Combat that. Don't allow that uh, to attach itself to you because once again, that's you then holding yourself back, okay? That's not the forgiveness of God. It releases you. It no longer holds you, okay? That's an important thing to remember. Guys, um, if there's anything that, that Peter teaches me, it's, it's, well, one, it's like what Ryan talked about last week. Don't react quickly. Don't open your mouth too quick. But what we see is what? God's not done with you. God's not done with you. Okay, so don't treat yourself that way. Okay, you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Live in light of that. Respond to that grace. And don't allow yourself to condemn you into a place that he's designed to pull you out of. Amen?